talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Worst Wing, uh, our show where we take a look at the seminal work of Aaron Sorkin, The West Wing, from a modern 2020 leftist socialist perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And we are here with uh, the episode entitled Dead Irish Writers, uh, which gets name checked. I feel like they're name checking the episodes more and more. They didn't used to. Yeah, it seems like an evolution of the the phenomenon that we actually see nowadays in quite a lot of these things, where it's like we're gonna make a we're gonna make like a subtle title and then reference it within the show for you guys to catch. <laughs> right. This this was like the start of that trend, I guess, because yeah. like I think people didn't really know that episodes had titles till stuff like TiVo and those digital TV guides started I becoming mean, more and more commonplace. The thing I think of is um, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right, they it, they put the title on, right on right on the thing right with on there. the ship in the first good point. of every show, and that was very I mean, good point for me. That was my intro to like any serialized television, so like mm-hmm. it, it stands out to me. But other shows definitely don't. Like, yeah, that's pretty rare to see. Um, and then well, and then yeah, but anyway, this is a little bit of a derail. So let's hop. <laughs> Uh, so we start our episode with Abby and Jed having a bit of a uh, fun couple scuffle, uh, as it were, um, as they sort of good-naturedly fight back and forth while they're preparing for Abby's birthday party, uh, which is sort of our main event of the episode that drives the entire rest of the plot. Yeah, and it's another of these that has, like, there's an over, there's like an, uh, a, a setting established within which multiple sort of issues and interactions occur. So it seems yes. like it's always a state function or like a party. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much the, the go-to for the for this show. Uh, so they have a fun little back and forth. It's good to see Stocker chanting back. Yes. Uh, finally, like the show got a nice injection of life this week with like getting her back in well, just to sa- sass Jed around a little. Well, yeah, and we've been, like, we spent the last two weeks being like, God, this is so boring. Like, nothing <laughs> know. Like, fucking happens. And then, bam, we, we got the now, full full uh, guest star cast back. We, we got guest stars, we got jokes, we yeah. got, you know, a- entertaining things happening. Like, this was a much more fun episode to mm-hmm. watch, finally. So, credit where credit's due uh, on that regard. It's a good episode of television, at least. Yeah. Or, or better than most of these these ones. Um, so our so the Abby party plot basically takes up the bulk of the episode, and then as you said, it's sort of used as a setting or jumping off point for minor things to occur uh, at the party. So for example, Josh and Amy have some stuff going on. Sam has this thing going on with a senator. And this uh, professor friend of his about a superconducting super collider. Yes. <laughs> uh, which we'll get into. Um, and then the third major plot is Toby and our good old friend Lord John Marbury returns. He's back. Uh, and they have some interesting things to talk about, about a man um, and a man from, and I apologize if I pronounce it incorrectly, I think it's Sun Fine? Sinn Féin. 
Sinn Féin, thank you. Yep. Uh, uh, so, uh, so a man from the Sinn Féin Irish party is going to come to visit the White House, and Lord John Marbury is here in his role as British ambassador to tell Toby that that absolutely cannot happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, so we're gonna have fun getting into that uh first let's start off with like the general party and we'll just kind of do like a plot overview sure. a little um so as i said they kind of have this jed and uh abby have this cute kind of couples fight about preparing and there's there's good like you know there's some good humor in there uh, then they get to the party and Abby's like, oh, I really don't want this to be a whole thing. And I'm much like, you're first lady. First off, come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, sec- and second of all, it's just a very easy setup for the cheap joke of like, oh, look, uh, I don't want a lot of fanfare. Actual fanfare. <laughs> yeah. You get like the trumpets blaring going <laughs> Like in. doing an, doing an actual fanfare. <laughs> yeah. On well, the, like, again, it's, it's a decent excuse because it seems like a very pomp and circumstance event, but it's mm-hmm. just the first lady's birthday. Like it is right. not any, nothing crucial is going to revolve around this. Right. Yeah. This isn't like an ambassador is having a big meeting to discuss some new foreign policy or whatever. It's literally just her birthday party. Yep. But of course, politicking happens because why wouldn't it? It's the white house. Yeah. Um, now, before we go further, I want to mention that when they first enter the party, we get this fucking shot where the cameraman <laughs> must have just gone on a goddamn Bad Boys rewatch spree because he goes full Michael Bay and like 360s the couples talking at the party at least a good three solid times. Like if you were this- watching this in a real theater, you'd be dizzy. Like yeah. watching this, you'd be getting just, nauseous. It's insane for what is like a party shot, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like uh, you know, a White House party, not a college rave party. Like it would be fine in like SLC Punk or something. <laughs> just trying to imagine this guy in a giant Steadicam rig trying to like just, dodge, just jo- jog- yeah. jogging around the fucking like at the pace he has yeah. to be going. Uh, I, it was so noticeable that like I had to call attention to it. It was just. Woo! Um, so that was fun. But then, yeah, so then they start splitting off and to Josh and Amy start getting into... God, you can just tell the writings on the wall for why this relationship isn't going to work out because they just instantly talk about work oh, the second... Yeah. That... God-awful. <laughs> like, well, just... And, and uh, it's, it's a good thing she's back, too, because... The, yeah, the, yes. The, Mary Louise Parker is an, another fine sight to see the, the, and uh, livens up the episode a lot. Well, yeah, well, and it's, it's I think, the, by contrast with a lot of this stuff, and a theme we'll touch on later with the politics of it, is that, like, all of this stuff needs her cynicism around right. it. Like, there needs to be somebody because, there. Uh, right, to say, like, boy, this is all fucking stupid. <laughs> you, aren't, you, you aren't actually accomplishing <laughs> jack shit. I, I don't take any of this seriously at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I'm just here to get drunk and write a book. <laughs> and, and to be fair, like, she's got sort of the, she's got the fucking DreamWorks face. We remarked on this before, and it's the, she's the perfect foil to kind right. of the fuddy-duddies right, in, exactly. in the White House. Right, yeah, you can have anyone just, like, funny dunning it up, and then she'll just roll up and cock, like, the DreamWorks eyebrow and be like, that sounds stupid. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, and why would you five, do that, dummy? <laughs> and then high-five someone on the way out and walks <laughs> off to get another drink. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> she's the, like, she's the, like one strap off your shoulder lugging a full champagne bottle around type in these interactions, which she actually physically does for a while. It's, it, like, it's great. It's really good. Um so yeah, at some point, uh, 
to keep it on the the women's subplot. So at some point, her, the first lady, CJ, uh, all square uh, go off to the residence to get drunk privately, and because um, Abby's Abby gets real fed up with the way Jed's acting uh, or something. Well, and so the uh, the 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 text there is that. They are considering whether or not um, Abby is going to have like a hearing that revokes right. her license to practice medicine due Correct. to the outcome or like the fallout from the like the MS scandal. Right, and she gets upset about the fact that her career is being politicized and has become like a target because of all this BS, and she's kind of mad at Jed about it because he's you know making the <laughs> suggestions and stuff. So she's like, she call you know brings she's like, hey CJ, hey uh, Amy, uh, my husband's a jackass. Let's go get drunk. And they're both like, yes, Hell ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Amy, of course, does the smart thing as soon as he gets there and starts looking for something to take notes with, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, because in her in her words, I want to write a book one day. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and if you've got the first lady drunk, that's a good time to be taking notes. Uh, so they get smashed. They they clearly have a fun time. Like we we do the whole time lapse cut to uh, them like full full and well drunk with CJ being like woo this was a good <laughs> bottle of wine. Yeah, the so and then like the kind of what the conflict comes up is that Donna eventually Donna comes smashes in into the room. so yeah Donna's been having a trouble where she couldn't go to the party. Because of a funny quirk in U.S. immigration has changed her her birthplace to Canada, and she is no longer technically a American citizen, and the Secret Service is uh, having to do, like, back, you know, won't allow, allow non-Americans into a party, I guess? I don't, I, I don't I, get that bad. I don't get it. Like, it's all just a dumb TV premise to... To engineer drama and to engineer Donna into this situation where she enters uh, in and gets to drink with the uh, with the ladies. Yeah, it's it's that an she normally doesn't associate with because she's on the assistant level, not the I hang out with the first lady and the press secretary level. And I mean, again, this was actually like the part of the episode that I enjoyed probably the yes. most was because this is very. They, they take good care, and because the A, the actresses, like, they're all doing the great. Three, the yeah. three best performances, like, <laughs> right. in the entire show's run. Yeah, like, you've got Stalker Channing, Allison Channing, and Mary Louise Parker. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, the, let them do a whole episode, please. <laughs> Seriously. That would be a good one. Well, and so, and my wife commented on this. She just said, like, this is, like, the quintessential cool girl club interaction where it's oh, like totally. where it's like they're they're mean girls except they're not being mean they're like inviting right. donna into the loop where ha- she has absolutely no business being right. like or or isn't on the level where it would be even appropriate for her to be in confidence in this situation right. and which which comes up very sure quickly enough, because, yeah because she you know they all they're all talking you know and then donna chimes in and they all kind of like react of like oh donna you crossed a line <laughs> and it's like well <laughs> i thought we were all talking yeah like this is what you get and as what's her name abby even says it's like I am now not the first lady, or like I'm just right. Abby now, not the first lady. And then right. when Donna crosses this, I think she calls out like she mentioned some offhand thing about like, well, you should have just not prescribed 
your husband medications. Right. right. She's like, yeah, but you were a doctor when you were, you know, faking his prescriptions or whatever. And, and like, and it's like, ooh. Yeah, that's a collar tugger right there. Like, right. Ugh. And then it's, and then she is like, okay, I am the first lady again. It's like, funny how that works. Yeah. So, but it's fine. You know, it's, a really... it's all fine. It, it gets shoved under the rug or whatever. It doesn't become a major conflict. But you're right. It's an interesting dynamic with, like, this is, like, the cool girls, mean girls kind of thing going on. But, like, the adult version. Yeah. And, like, again, the, the mechanism of Donna's character is usually to play this role where it's like... Correct. We don't have a reason to go down this road. So, right. we, here you we go. Need... We need Donna in there because we can have Donna ask any question possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because Donna is inherently curious about everything because that's the character, you know, that's the character they've, they've built for her so that she can be this sort of exposition question asker yeah. uh, for the show. And it's a, you know, it's a useful writing tool, I guess. And, uh, uh, the actress does it well. Yeah. Well, and so the, basically the conclusion of this is that they go back into the party after kind of Donna crosses this line and kills the vibe. Mm-hmm. Goats talk to the president again, and Abby's like, look, I know that guy is, like, determining whether he's going to uh, sit on my hearing, some professional that was going to be right. on her, basically her dis, not disbarment. Uh, on, the, on the board on the board of who decides if she keeps her license or not. Well, and so Jed comes up and he says, and I, I've noted this is the most West Wing possible combination of words, comes up and goes, don't worry, honey, he's going to consider... Not recusing himself from the board. It's like, what, motherfucker? This is literally almost like in real time, like the, oh, well, we should commission a study to, you know, consider whether... Whether we will predetermine to to have another eligibility for a... It's just like, oh, my God. So then that's supposed to be good news, and she's just like... And uh, to, fuck this. Yeah, she's like, ah, oh, fuck <laughs> this. I'm just going to give up my license voluntarily. It's yeah. like, awesome. That is actually probably the least bad outcome and right. good for you. Yeah, and it saves the most hassle for everyone, basically. And she basically realizes that. And so, yeah, that is the ultimate conclusion of the Abby plotline is basically to wrap up this this issue. And I guess they're basically winding down the whole MS story, essentially. Um, particularly as we're built going now into the full campaign story arc that's about to uh, to pick up steam, mm-hmm. from what I recall. Yeah, so that's about, I mean, the, again, the, the scene with the women uh, in this episode is spectacular. It's the high point of it. Yeah. So let's move along, take a brief break yep. here, and then we can talk about some um, low points. <laughs> yes. Yay! <laughs>
kind of the, the least consequential issue this episode is that Sam, for some god-awful reason, during this party has a meeting with a former physics professor who is mm-hmm. now the head of some national laboratory and is lobbying the government to fund um, the construction of a superconducting super collider. A superconducting super collider. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't help but think of Futurama. <laughs> Yes, and, get out your Professor Farnsworth. Far- <laughs> yeah. Get out your Farnsworth gifts here and like you know, talk about your Fing Longer. Um, um, the actor is uh, Hector uh, Elizondo, mm-hmm. um, who's best known for being on uh, Chicago Hope um, and uh, as well as being in many other films. You've seen him around. Uh, and he does a good job as, the, as Sam's professor uh, slash the pitcher of the Super Collider. So, yeah, he's come to Sam to ask for help in getting this bill uh, through the Senate that will, you know, fund the Super Collider. And Sam is just like, well, we can't, you know, there's no practical applications. And, it, you know, it's hard to sell to Democrats because it won't, like, create jobs or make number go up or, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it seems very... Even though it would create jobs, obviously. <laughs> or, you know, and to be fair, they... they they do this explication at the end of the the run where it's like we are we are seeing Sam again in this role as like the utterly just kind of buffoonish like I don't know tell me about this issue like let's take uh-huh. this opportunity to learn together of this issue which is fucking garbage because Sam is a goddamn senior staffer in the White House right and like. I, this this feels like a Donna conversation, you know? Like, what's a super collider, you know? like, <laughs> well, And we, we see it happening more, I think, a couple episodes ago where he did the, the same exact... Actually, it was last episode, the same exact thing with the young woman intern. Right. Or whatever. Where he's like, I'm just learning about this for the first time, you know? Oh, what what's that word? Feminism? Right. Like, but at the same time, he's supposed to be boy wonder genius, you know, up and comer, who's you know, who's a hotshot whiz kid who knows everything. Exactly, and even on like a, even on like the level of policy, like you don't have to understand like you know electron superposition, right? Or like string theory or whatever the fuck right. the, the operant theory is. Like, just you have to know what this thing but, does. But you should understand the greater point that the professor ends up getting to, which is that research doesn't work perfectly. We don't, you know, you can't just say, I'm going to spend a billion dollars on cancer research and not know I'll get a cancer drug out of it. You know, this is never how research has worked in the history of mankind. We constantly, <laughs> we constantly discover things by accident. All, like, it's basically the history of invention is that, like, 90% of them were discovered by accident. Well, and yeah, and they eventually come around to it with with these twists and turns of trying to lobby this senator, right? To, Sen- to senator get his vote. asshole or whatever, who's just like uh, one of these rotating one-offs who come in to be like an antagonist. Which is funny enough. At least he's a Democrat antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least the show's acknowledging Democrats can be antagonists. Well, and I think the the implication is that it's because it's in Illinois. Sam takes a pot shot at him for being like, "You just want the money." Like you, you Illinois Democrats are all the right. same. A like, bunch of earmark Chicago corruption yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But and it's just, I, I don't understand. And I guess for a show from twenty years ago, I don't understand why this is even necessary. It is. It has no. It has no. Um, like it doesn't plug into the broader plot. 
right. at large. It seems like we'll never is, hear about it again. Of course, yeah, we'll never see Hector Elizondo again because he even says that he's dying. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot that they, they dropped that out of. That's like a the room esque. Like I definitely have breast cancer. Yeah. <laughs> like that's literally what that is. <laughs> well, and actually, this is this is a perfect time for this. You mentioned that um, smoking. Yeah, smoking plays a large role. Yeah, so the whole time he's he's got fucking a stogie, and then uh, and Toby's smoking a cigar when he talks to Lord John Marbury, which we'll get to in our next segment. Uh, and then like Hector, we have a smoke break for the the president. Yeah, we get he a, goes outside. Yeah, we get a smoke break for the president, and and Hector keeps even bringing up the fact that he's like, I'm not allowed to smoke in the White House, and Sam's like, Of course you're not allowed to fucking smoke in the White House. <laughs> and he's like, Churchill smoked, FDR smoked. <laughs> like he just starts bringing. It's like, What's wrong with smoking? And then of course he's like, By the way, Sam, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> Maybe that's what's wrong with smoking, Professor. <laughs> Yeah, so it just seems like a very, it's like, oh, well, we we have these two, you know, more crucial plot arcs that we want to cram in here. And now we have 13 minutes that we need to, or like, uh, shit, even less than that, like 11 minutes Kill. that we need to blow yeah. on something. And it's just ham-handed. And it's like, let's give Sam something to do, but like, why this of all things, you know? And uh, I, uh, I mean, this it, feels like the right uh, a writer read an article about a super collider getting funded and being like, yeah. I have an idea, <laughs> you know, they're they're sitting around the table and be like, ah, is super collider good enough? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. That's lunch. Yeah. You want to order lunch? Um, but the uh, and to be fair, this is very red meat for the base of the show. This the sure. science for the sake of science thing. It, is oh, the it makes you, yeah, it makes you feel idea. smart as fuck, you know? And, yeah. and high-minded, like, you can right. embrace these ideals and, you know, whatever. Whereas, frankly, he didn't even do. The- they didn't even do it right, though. Like, in the Voyager... <laughs> In the Voyager 5 one or whatever where Bartlett and and Sam give those big speeches about like, oh, and it's going past Pluto right now and it has the music of this old black man who died penniless and like, that's the romantic thing. And this we just get Sam going, it's about discovery. (laughs) Yeah. it's it's Like they didn't even do it right. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and this is another thing where it's, you know, from my, I, I guess from my perspective, like they're... They're, they're absolutely right, but frankly, like, how do we turn this to benefit society? So the question is valid, but not the concept of, like, well, we need to put a monetary value. Right. On it. Like, it yeah. is literally will just it, about... Will it make number go up? Yeah, that's, will, that's will basically it turn a profit? It, will it make number go up is all yeah. this boils down to. Yeah, uh, and so, yeah, obviously we shouldn't just, like, create $20 billion science boondoggles just to create them. It should have some goal of advance, advancing human technology, human progress, something like that. We could have gotten into the details of that, but the show didn't even want to really go there and just make it a more surface-level thing about about like i fucking love science that's basically all this is yep and a chance to call out a senator in sam's voice like okay yeah and sam even admits that he has a personal beef with the guy and it's more about the beef (laughs) to him than the actual ideals of like helping the professor out and the professor totally picks up on it too yeah absolutely and so actually like the last thing with this is that they tend to write um the show tends to write academics in a way like i actually wrote up a note about this like it tends Mm -hmm. to write academics in a very typecast way, like you see with the people from the uh, the cartographical society where they come in and they talk about the right. uh, the map projections. They have um, 
Ted from accounting from Scrubs. Yeah, yeah the UFO um, guy. That always yeah. comes in. And so they're they're written very in a very West Wing stereotype in a way that sort of like owns the regular cast members very easily. Whereas, you know, right. Mo- mostly, usually Sam always gets the upper hand in our Usually, and- but the academic, you're right. The academics tend to actually get the upper hand because again, this is a lib thing of, we have to listen to experts. Yes. And but it does. It also makes sure to do it in like a very stunted fashion that puts the audience onto its back foot. Like, because it, because the interactions never flow with the same snarky ease that staff member right. interactions or other flow. Congress people or, or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it works, I guess it's a, it's a positive and a negative because I can see that they are setting these people off in a certain way. Like they're, they're setting them apart, I guess would be a better way to put it. Like these are definitely not your regular politicians, but at the same time, it's like scientists can interact socially is like i'm a right. fucking scientist right like, yeah I would, I would run rings around these people in a conversation. yeah yeah it's it's very yeah it's very a weird stereotype kind of thing going on here yeah but yeah okay that i think that wraps up uh this particular plot line let's take another break uh and then we can come back after this hot bang after this upcoming hot banger and talk about the irish republican army <laughs> Come tell us how you slew them old Arabs two by two. Like the Zulus, they had spears and bow and arrows. How bravely you faced one with your 16-pounder gun. And you frightened them damn natives to the marrow. Come out, you black and tans. Come out and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders. All right, so our third and final subplot, and thank you, Sorkin. Uh, this, again, is a 100% <laughs> Sorkin-written one, but thanks for getting the structure fucking back on track this time, buddy. That's right. Uh, and, and making Appreciate it nice. It. And nice. Yeah, we actually really do. So, again, I'm always willing to give credit where it's due. Um, so our third subplot is with Toby and Lord John Marbury um, talking about this Danny McGreen guy or something like that. McGann. I don't, Danny McGann, thank you, uh, who is going to come to the White House to talk about Ireland and, you know, Irish independence and whatnot. So let's 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 actually put it on the, the actual, because um, I want to clarify, if you haven't watched along, the thing that is happening is the White House is throwing some event, which I do not believe is actually clarified. And this an upcoming guy, event, right. There's an upcoming event. I don't necessarily know if it's something like... Some sort like, of state dinner or something. Exactly. It could yeah. be something like Abby's birthday party. So, like, exactly. completely independent It might of the be whatever frame. next birthday party they're having is. Exactly. exactly. And they have invited this guy to attend. It to is, be there. Yes, it's just not to like be a for, there. It's not a formal meeting with the man. Yeah. It's just he will be there. He will be at the White House. And Lord John Marbury... Is here. <laughs> is here. To convey uh, on Her Majesty's government's behalf that this shall not occur. 
Whew. And so we get this. We're back in the credential check. Oh, my God. Because he comes in and Leo hands him off to Toby and Toby, like, asks him. I think I have the clip here. He says, "Can I, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Can I call you John? I am John, Lord Marbury, Earl of Croy, Marquess of Needham and Dolby, Baronet of Brycey, England's ambassador to the United States. The terrorist is a terrorist, even if he wears a green necktie and sings Danny Boy. <laughs> it's, it's a simple question, John. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like the most uh, most uh, aristocratic, like, oh God. I could just, I could hear all the colonialism and imperialism dripping <laughs> off every little word, and it soothes me. <laughs> oh. Ugh. Uh, so yeah, him and Toby go off to a bar to discuss this, and this is another part of the West Wing fantasy, this idea that, like, oh, all the real politicking, and you know what, there may be some truth to this, probably, that all the real politicking gets done, like, at smoky bars with, like, t- you know, where two guys go off to, to just hash it all out, real well, talk. I think this is also another bit of lib bait, where it's, like, people like to pretend that the democracy and all the issues that they talk about and all these negotiations happen transparently. And so we get the, like the kabuki of, well, these people are meeting at an event at the white house and they're just going to hash things out and talk through it. And then it's also, we then spend the next fucking seven minutes with these characters in a literal offsite by themselves, private interaction. Right. Where they where they hash out the real details and we yes, see exactly. the actual and we see the actual politicking get done because the actual you know we find out re- relatively quickly that the whole Danny McGann must not come to the White House is just a front and that he's basically forced to say that as his official ambassador position whereas his his private position and his public position if you will uh, his private position. <laughs> With Toby is that, yes, obviously you should have this Danny McGann guy come by and probably talk to him about Ireland issues and listen to what he has to say because he's a smart man and and like and you should do diplomacy and probably try to settle this whole thing between Ireland and the UK. Yeah, but it's and it's just the to me, the the distinction between the two almost runs backwards where it's like and I'm you know, I'm a big dumb softy on this sort of shit, but like why why is the public facing position like of necessity and especially within the west wing framing because decorum like always like, always the shitty get nothing done position like are are we, are the do you consider your that's electorate what, to be that much rubes yes uh, clearly okay. <laughs> <laughs> like clearly it's just like you know oh you have to do all these, thi- you know, it's it's decorum at its finest. It's you have to do it because it's the thing that gets done. Yeah. It's, and this is the way things have always been. And this is the way things shall always be. You know, that's what it is at, at its core. Yeah. So let's talk about how, God, they frame up the conversation. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> so, yeah. you were like. Yeah. So they, they immediately start in with like, you're going to let a terrorist come to the White House. <laughs> and like, because the implication is that this guy has worked with the IRA or, you know, something like that. Well, here, let's actually. So I think and I'll, I'll put the clip in here because I want him to like to put it in the show's words, how they describe this person and his affiliation. He's a terrorist. Well, let's hang on a second. Sinn Féin is a 
political party, in fact, the oldest in Ireland. And the political wing of the IRA. Yes, sir. A terrorist cell. I wouldn't... You are honouring a man at your St. Patrick's Day dinner allied with car bombers and murderers of British soldiers. Uh, this not to mention Irish men, women and children. Yes, sir. And you are doing it to appease Democrats from New York City and Boston. So... This is weird and bad because like the, yeah. he just straight up says, oh, yeah, you know, this this political party is actually it's the IRA's political party, which a is a thousand percent not true. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Like um, and B the like the, the black and whiteness of, of how this yeah. describes cannot transcend the concept of a political party. A political right. party is one is a institution made up of individuals, right? You know, so yeah. Like, well, for a show that claims to love nuance, they're demonstrating a complete lack of it uh, when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, um, and so they they continue along these lines, talking about like, oh, I think the the phrase he uses is like, Ireland is England's original sin. Like, okay, first of all, no, it's fucking not. <laughs> like, like, be cool, you know. Ireland is is evolved at a time where and way way back in in the day that cannot really actually be compared to say for example the United States treatment of native americans which he invokes as right. a parallel or yeah. i mean for example the british empire's own treatment of aboriginal people in australia so the the historical frame of this is distorted and simplified. And in mm-hmm. a certain degree, when he mentions that, quote, we've had Arafat come to the White House, like, that is also a distortion. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I mean, the, the, the narrative, I, I guess, the prevailing wisdom that the show's creators and the dominant political forces of the time just take these things as... Um, it's like first principles. Yep. That yeah. It's it's a it's an a priori assumption that is always true and cannot be questioned. Mm-hmm. A terrorist is a terrorist. It's and that yeah, and yeah, and he says that, and it's like they um, literally say that. What happened to one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> why 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 not some nuance here? And yeah, so. They, they go to the bar, they hash it out, um, and he suggests that, in fact, they talk to right. the guy. Right. So, yeah, when, when they finally boil it down, and once he's drunk enough, Lagavulin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I do, I do like that Lord John Marbury is self-aware to say, like, look, Toby, I do have lucid moments every now and then. <laughs> Uh, he, by the way, he acts like a complete ass in this episode. Entirely. A thousand thousand times worse than normal. Uh, particularly when it comes to Abby, where he's just like, Abigail, may I grope your breasts? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's an actual line. (laughs) He says it all, he says it twice. Like, he introduces himself to her by saying, like, your breasts look fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, what uh, the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, and then, then, like, Bartlett's just saying there, like, I'm right here, you know? (laughs) Very, very gem energy. Please, please stop, like, sexually assaulting my wife in front of me. (laughs) Uh, Aren't the British characters, folks? I know, and, like, the entire discussion completely elides any, any idea of, oh, hey, it could be that a certain time in history, the British Empire was 
this colonial power. And now, whoops, looks like the United States has sort of inherited that mantle. Yeah, and there's not even a little. Not like, even a little to, bit. To, to, to paint that picture at all. Are you kidding? Which yeah. I think is, is, and even to this day, 20 years down the road, I think, and we've seen actually a resurgence of this recognition on the left in this country, that the foreign policy aspects of even the most progressive side of our dominant political our garbage our utter garbage <laughs> and i'm sure we've talked about this before but this one sort of brings it back where it's like okay i'm gonna think about this episode of television written in i don't know two, late 2000 late 2001 early 2002 uh-huh. and literally 18 years later like Sinn fein now has a coalition majority in our All right. Motherfuckers, have some perspective. For God's sake. Like, Fukuyama was wrong. History did not end, you assholes. Yeah, like, yeah but this is peak, like, this is peak Fukuyama. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, well, which is funny, because it's right after 9-11, and you would think that should be, like, the wake-up of, like, uh-oh. Yeah, maybe we're doing something wrong. <laughs> Ruh-roh. <laughs> yeah. This but, seems like an event that should have uh, not happened if history ended. <laughs> Yeah, I just it's it it has been it has been a long long time since somebody referred to Sinn Fein and just like the show's language around it as the right. political arm of the IRA. No, you yeah. motherfuckers. Like what? Yeah, the like fuck? you can't like that be yeah. It doesn't even mean like... anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um do we have anything else? On... No, I I think that pretty much wraps this up. Um, like solidarity uh, uh, with oppressed people everywhere, basically. Yeah. And then, uh, like I said, Toby is smoking a cigar because for Mm, some mm -hmm. reason this particular episode has to really center around smoking and cigars in particular. And I don't know why, uh, Freud, like Freud, they're all big brown dicks. They're big brown dicks. It's, it's not even, um, (laughs) used as a signifier because as we mentioned, like with the academic stereotype, it's the academic who's smoking. In and the, it was like, power brokering. Well, <laughs> yeah. in the power brokering in that right. interaction, he's the one that's right. smoking, which is completely incongruous with how you would use like a big, a big fat chopped cigar as like right. um, a metaphor, like, or not a metaphor, like a a signifier uh, a, a of power. masculinity yes. signifier, if you will, you know. Yeah. So they uh, even invert that somehow because for whatever reason we're going to talk about or not talk about at all smoking in this men, men, men love chomping on big brown cigar dicks. Everyone, mm-hmm. Freud, Freud was right, <laughs> or sorry, Freud was wrong. A cigar is not just a cigar. Yeah, there, it's a big brown dick. <laughs> all right so on that note let's take another quick break and we'll come back and wrap up this particular episode he hit me with his rifle and he kicked me in the groin i begged and i pleaded all my manners were polite but all the time i'm thinking of me little arm like and it's down in the box side it's where i long to be Lying in the dark with a Provo company A comrade on me left and another one on me right And a clip of ammunition for me little arm of light Okay, and that does it for this particular episode of The Worst Wing. Um, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, as always, you can uh, shoot us a comment in our thread. 
Uh, you can, if you found us a different way, you can, and want to contact the show, you can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, today is Saturday, February 29th, and the South Carolina primary is happening as we speak and record this. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to make any predictions. I hope Bernie does well. You know, I think even a close loss is a pretty good win for Bernie. And more importantly than that, he's still going to crush Super Tuesday. The early vote's already baked in, uh, and the media will not have time to to do a yeah. Biden surging narrative. It's, it's like 48 hours until people start voting on Super Tuesday. Yeah, so. and people are going to be freaked out about the coronavirus deaths and stuff like that, which we just got our first coronavirus-confirmed death in America today. Uh, if wow. I'm recording this for for posterity, for when we're all dead from coronavirus, <laughs> so, some future civilization <laughs> can dig this up. Yes, so precisely I'd... when the aliens scan our podcast records, <laughs> yeah. they, they will know what has happened. Um, as someone who used to live in South Carolina, um, I will straight up say that, and I've actually lived in a lot of places in this country. South Carolina is the weirdest state of the union. It is sure. far and away like it is beyond Rhode Island weird. It is beyond Florida man weird. Right. South Carolina th- is an entity unto itself. Like The important thing is to recognize it's just one state, and it's you can't reinvent the whole narrative based off a state that Biden was already predicted to win for the whole, ever since he announced. Oh, sure. So No, I don't think there's any, wor- any, any I'm not negatives. worried about it, yeah. but, you know, ju- you know, maybe Bernie will not do the 50-state sweep, sad to say. We all wanted it, of course. Oh, no, uh, he'll uh, just have a majority of delegates after Super Tuesday. Yeah, right. All that matters <laughs> is he's the nominee. We'll all look back at this and laugh at some point. But anyway, that's your that's your mini election update. Go Bernie, keep up the work, keep donating, keep volunteering. We're gonna crush Super Tuesday. Hell yeah! Uh, and and from there, the post Super Tuesday momentum, people are just gonna want to consolidate around a front runner. You know, there, there's the four percent of the people who are anti Bernie are not gonna be a threat <laughs> to uh, to Bernie's chances. And we already see the knees bending in a variety of media. Many, um, many, many knees are bending, and many more will bend after Super oh Tuesday. Oh man, it's going to be a bloodbath. Because you're, you're going to see some unbend after South Carolina <laughs> yes. a little, and then they're going to have to rebend <laughs> twice as hard two days later, and that's going to be very These funny. These people's to see. spines are just going to be worn out from stiffening and weakening <laughs> over and over again. There's going to be some metal stress in their spines. This, this, this is what it's like to live without convictions. Abs, a hundred percent. That's exactly what I was about to say. Must yep. be tough. These are the perils of having zero <laughs> convictions. Turns out it's bad. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks uh, for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you uh, up Have next a great week. weekend, and uh, bye-bye. Bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.